Welcome to Trustworthy AI, Dearest Business Adoption of AI, hosted by Pamela Gupta, a leading voice in business strategy, technology, and cybersecurity. With extensive experience in global industry leadership, Pamela has explored critical themes like achieving business value with AI by adopting a holistic risk-based approach to AI trust. She defined eight essential pillars of trustworthy AI. Read more details at the trustedai.ai website. Her insights have shaped the way we look at the impact of cyber warfare on business, strategies for efficient digital transformation, and governance views on algorithmic failures. Join Pamela as she delves into her signature framework, AI Tips, standing for Artificial Intelligence Transparency, Integrity, Privacy, and Security. This podcast is all about operationalizing governance and building trustworthy AI systems from the ground up. Whether you're an industry professional or just AI curious, Trustworthy AI offers thought-provoking discussions and expert insights to guide the ethical future of technology. Welcome to our show and podcast from Trustworthy AI, de-risking business adoption of AI. We focus on leading by example, showcasing organizations and leaders that are providing guidance or examples or both of adopting emerging technology such as AI and with trust. We had defined 12, uh, eight pillars of trustworthy AI and if we are to equate electricity and AI, such as Andrew and uh, Nick said, the way these two play together is to get them harness the power of AI. We need guidance of um, authorities and uh, trusted uh, advisors and consultants, such as the uh, our esteemed guest on the show today, and. Um, in addition to harnessing the energy, how do we do that in a safe way? For example, if we have a electricity flowing through wire, we want to make sure it's encased in the right kind of protection and, and cable around that. Uh, so how do we um, de-risk that? Uh, that is the focus of the show, of adopting and harnessing the power of AI with the right controls and the right guardrails built in. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Jeffrey Fong. He has a 40-year career which has focused on how new technologies that are emerging and how they emerge and diffuse as a uh, professor and a consultant. He was one of the first to recognize the potential for smartphones during the late 1990s and early 2000s. In Japan, he had um, created a course that was supporting research, presenting a methodology that could help in, uh, entrepreneurs and investors avoid many of the loss-making business techniques and methodologies and approaches. So uh, welcome, Dr. Jeff, uh, Dr. Jeff Fong. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yes, my pleasure. Um, like to get started and ask you, um, lead out by asking you that what is how we should analyze or how do businesses that are adopting emerging technologies such as AI, what 
are some of the analysis that they should be um, doing or how do we analyze this? Well, the first thing to do is to find a use case, a case that's uh, helping businesses become more productive. And, and so if you were to look at personal computers, you would have looked at uh, writing, write, writing documents and uh, doing spreadsheets and things. And so we look at AI and we, we've been struggling to find those types of applications. We saw IBM Watson fail. We saw very optimistic predictions for radiology. They failed. We saw optimistic predictions for criminal justice system, home flipping, self-driving vehicles. None of them really worked out well. So now we have generated AI and there's a lot of uh, excitement about open AI because it can write better. But the problem is, is that writing is not really an output for most industries. You can look at media industries and you see, uh, you know, books and things and, and newspaper articles, but most of that is dominated by very high level. It's not something an average person writes. Uh, it's, it's what a very, very, it's a pop, 0.01%, you know, best-selling books, uh, Wall Street journalists. Th this is very different from what ChatGPT does. So we have to find a use case. And you say, well, they can write email very fast, but somebody has to read that email. So you want to find a process. You don't want to find a task. There's too many people focused on tasks and, oh, this can do this task. And uh, th this person can then use all these tools to do all these tasks. But it's how those tasks fit together in a process that determines the productivity of our economy. And, and so can ChatGPT help us make cars or make something better? Can it help us grow products better? I mean, grow, grow uh, uh, crops better. Can it construct buildings faster for us? Well, it can't do any of these things. So, okay, maybe it can help us develop products faster. Maybe it can help us write code faster. But again, it's a process. It's not individuals. It's not whether an individual can use chat GPT or generate AI to, to create more code. It's whether that process that that person's involved with becomes more productive. So it's whether the person is, is, is creating better code, code that doesn't have any problems. So that's what we need to see proven. And that's what I keep looking for. I look for these kinds of use cases and I can't find them. Uh, and what instead I find are people talking a lot about uh, emails and uh, code, but they're not talking about the process of writing code, the, the process of what a communication is used to do. This is why I'm very pessimistic about generative AI. Okay. Um, so you're talking about the uh, value that we are seeing um, is maybe partial in scope, right? That it can, AI can help improved certain things, but it is not a um, end-all, be-all by itself. Well, as of yet, it's it's not shown a really successful use case. You know, uh, I, I don't know where I got, I start, where I got the idea that you have to look for a use case. I mean, people talked about use cases in personal computers when I was young. Uh, many examples. Uh, Steve Jobs used to talk about the customer experience. Uh, what does the customer experience from with the technology? And so that's kind of what I'm doing here. I'm saying, well, what is what, what, what does the customer experience in terms of a better process? How, how, how does the process that they're doing uh, become better? How does the productivity rise? 
Um, and, and so far I don't see those things. And I, 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 what really discourages me, I don't see people engaging with this issue. I see people just saying, well, they can write emails faster and then immediately jumping to the conclusion that generative AI is going to put all kinds of people out of work, uh, and lead to massive increases of productivity, improvements in, uh, increases in economic growth. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, are you uh, also looking at the effect of single-purpose AI uh, and how? what is the analysis required for before companies adopt such uh, and bring it into their strategy or into their mix? Well, companies need to think about the processes that they're using and, uh, and then integrate AI into those processes. And so it's a mistake to just let anybody use AI to, to write all their emails, to write all their code, because it's quite likely that uh, they're going to create emails, too many emails, uh, too many reports, too much code that isn't very good. And okay. so I'm very, I, I, I expect a lot of low-level employees to try to use this to make them look smart. And, uh, you know, I had a friend recently show me a, uh, a letter of recommendation they'd wrote. And uh, I looked at it and it looked pretty good. I mean, the grammar was already good. And then I realized I was looking at, you wrote this with ChatGPT. And they said, oh yeah, yeah. And I said, well, there's no details here about the person that you're, you're addressed that you're writing this letter for. Well, no, but it, 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 it makes me look good. It makes me look better because I cannot be a very good writer. And I thought, well, this person doesn't understand what the purpose of a letter of recommendation is. So if you want to have ChatGPT improve uh, letters of recommendation, you, you, uh, the hiring process, because that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the hiring process. Can ChatGPT, by writing letters, can help companies make better hiring decisions? Okay. And, and, I and, see. and, and the way that the person is thinking about it is, is they're not thinking about, is this going to help the person on the other end make a better decision? This is going to just make them look good and that they're not, they're, they're not going to be so embarrassed because uh, it, it won't show their little grammatical errors. But in reality, you see, you want to have the details about that person in the job. It doesn't matter if you right. have grammatical errors. That's the information that's useful to people in the hiring process. So what I see is a lot of people aren't going to be thinking about the process they're involved in. They're going to game the system. Make it look like they they write they they write very well, uh, but in fact there won't be any improvement in the process. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, I I can see that. What um what your point is there, which is, it's not it doesn't replace um doesn't replace the entire uh, focus and the strategy or the the plan. Right, you cannot create that. It it can be a help to improve but not to replace. Well, well no, it doesn't even help you improve. It doesn't help you improve the productivity. It doesn't even augment the person well. It may, merely helps the person game the system better. And see, that's what so I fear. I, what I fear is that people are going to figure out are, are, are really motivated by gaming the system. Uh, and, and that's without, without even AI. People are motivated by gaming the system. And managers have to work hard to ensure that people's efforts that there is improvement in the whole productivity system. It's not about just summing up 
what everybody does is putting it together in a way that provides more output for fewer people so that companies can make more money so that customers are happy. So um, that leads um, me to the next question, which is what are some of the mistakes that um, companies may have made about previous technologies that may have suffered a similar uh, uh, trajectory? Well, the, the, there are... There, we're in this age of bubbles. So I'm completing a book now called Competing in the Age of Bubbles because, uh, you know, AI is not the first one. And certainly generative AI is the first one because I mentioned Watson, radiology, the criminal justice. I mentioned other examples of, of what we might call micro bubbles uh, that, that have been occurring in AI. But even outside of AI, we've got a number of technologies that have been overpromised. And at the time, don't really produce much. I mean, delivery drones and Web3 and blockchain and uh, the metaverse and Hyperloop and uh, uh, EVTOLs. There's many more. There's these technologies that have been overpromised. Uh, people made very grandiose statements about them they were going to succeed. And now they're making grandiose statements about uh, generative AI. And so my argument is, Every one of these things, you go back and you look at the, purport, the, the supposed use case and you look for evidence that it's succeeding and you don't find it. Even worse, you see, if it's not succeeding now, okay, that's fine. Are there improvements that are going to lead to those use cases? So, for example, there's a lot of, a lot of noise over the past month about this uh, superconductors and about how they were going to be room temperature superconductors. But people didn't notice that uh, the highest temperature, previously recorded temperature for uh, superconductors was, 100, was minus 100, about minus 150 degrees centigrade. And they thought that somehow we were going to jump to 20 degrees centigrade overnight, even though we achieved the minus 150 degrees over 100 years. Of scientific work and suddenly at one day we're going to achieve that improvement no so now there are examples of course of technologies that that weren't providing value and then then did provide value because they got better so think again of uh computers so the first computers were used for writing documents and uh, uh doing spreadsheets and so there was something called moore's law uh that that made these computers better made them faster made them cheaper and so over time, they were able to expand their uh, their activities, expand the things they could do. Uh, so PowerPoint came along later. Uh, then there was enterprise software that came with uh, uh, networking. So there's a whole bunch of things that came about. Now you look at generative AI, and people are saying, "Well, this is the early years of generative AI. Just wait until you know in a few years, it's going to be better." Well, the problem is, is that AI isn't new. Right? It's been around a long time. Uh, neural neural networks aren't new. They've been around for a long time. They just became possible because of Moore's Law and because of other improvements in uh, electronics. Um, and, and even generative AI isn't new. I mean, there's been chatbots for years and years and years. And in fact, we're, what we're looking at is the maturing of the IT system now because Moore's Law is slowing. Uh, so... Uh, we're not in the early years of generative AI. Uh, Sam Altman says that there isn't going to be any more big models. 
that were through with developing big models because they cost a lot of money. Uh, and certainly that's what other people, a lot of other people have concluded who looked at the costs incurred by OpenAI and they're questioning whether OpenAI can even make money in the future because the costs of providing their ChatGPT service are so high. So, so even if ChatGPT wasn't working that well, as, I, as I've talked about in these use cases, if there were improvements, if there could be big improvements in ChatGPT and generative AI, then, then perhaps it could succeed in the future. Um, and there may be, but I, I don't see them happening. What I see is that we're, uh, that there isn't going to be any more big, uh, generative AI models, uh, and thus they're not, the systems aren't going to get much better. Furthermore, if you look at some of the analysis done by Stanford, they found that ChatGPT is, is declining in performance. And the reason is because they've been adjusting it, tweaking it this way and that way to get rid of the hallucinations, but they get rid of the hallucinations. And then these other, the, the declines in math solving performance and in other measures of performance decline. So again, I, I, I don't see the, the improvement that will enable these use cases, these improvements in pro system productivity to, to emerge at least in the near future. So what, um, what uh, trust or what um, faith do you have in what the tech giants and the big consulting companies are talking about in terms of the value of AI? Well, a lot of these big consulting companies said five, six, seven years ago that we would have 16 trillion uh, in uh, economic value from AI by 2030. Um, now, if you look at the AI software market, and I just posted something last night, it's, it's, it was, it's probably 40 billion in 2022. I mean, we're a long ways from, uh, 16 trillion and one company that posted it last night, they said that, uh, enterprise AI was only about 15 billion last year, 15 billion. So this is about one one thousandth of what we're supposed to achieve in 2030. And, and so these tech, these big consulting companies, they make these big forecasts, then they forget about them. Then generative A comes on, they make a big forecast for generative. I think McKinsey and these companies have said about 4 trillion by 2030 for generative AI. Uh, they don't seem to reflect on the, uh, forecasts they've made in the past. You know, I, I've been around for 40 years and I have been making predictions, not usually not publicly because no one wanted to hear my predictions, but I made them privately to myself. I started doing this 20, 25 years ago. I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to think about what I'm going to tell myself each year, what I think is going to happen in the next year. Do I think this technology is going to grow just so I can learn? And then each year I'd say, well, I, you know, I was wrong or I was right. And I. And through that reflection, I became better at this, uh, because sometimes, uh, I have been very optimistic, much more optimistic than others. I remember back in Japan, I was very optimistic about smartphones back in 2000, 2002. I wrote two books on it. Uh, I was criticized heavily for being optimistic. I was told that it was just Japan was unique. They, they liked small phones. The West liked big PCs that phones would never succeed in the, in the West, all these silly entertainment things the Japanese were doing. 
all of the products they were buying on the internet. No, the West wouldn't do that. And of course, what happened is that once the a product was put together in the proper way, as Apple did in 2007, 2008, it worked. And what's really funny is that many people in Japan, it wasn't just me, were saying, wow, these apps, we, we recommend that uh, Japanese companies offer an app store. We recommend that they do everything in terms of some types of apps because we can see how much better apps were in 2004. Uh, and lo and behold, this became the future of mobile phones. So a lot of people see these things. There's a lot of people, usually, you know, a lot of, I, I, I was following a lot of what the, 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 the tech nerds were saying, right, 2004. A lot of times they know a lot more of the, the people very high up because they're trying to solve the problem uh, at a detailed level. And so I think that, uh, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to find this use case. That's what I'm focusing on. Find the use case. This goes back to what Steve Jobs said about customer experience. Focus on the customer experience. Focus on, find some example where the technology is improving the uh the customer experience, improving productivity, not just at individual level. Right? You can't just think about, it can help us write emails faster. Can it improve some processes in the companies? And then you use that as a basis for making your forecast, for understanding, well, how can improvements expand the number of processes that, uh, that AI can impact on? Yeah, I, I agree with that, um, that it's really important to have tangible um, predictions on what those um, improvements are going to be, right? In terms of dependent on the business context, what what would that improvement look like for me as the business owner for X Y Z, as opposed to a generic? Um, these are the possibilities we can achieve by as some of the things you mentioned. Well, if the number of hallucinations, if the frequency of hallucinations from chat GP to go down, okay, that's an improvement. Uh, but if the accuracy of their responses along other dimensions, if they can become worse at math and things increases, then that's not an improvement. So you need to have improvements. It needs to become better at doing that. Um, but I would take that one step further. I mean, I, to me, uh, what companies are going to have to do and what I think some companies are doing is they're training generate they're training their generative AI systems on their proprietary data. So they have a process and they have some type of data from that process and they're using generative AI to improve that process. Um, so, you know, likely a lot of generative AI, the chat GPT and similar systems are trained on publicly available data. But really a lot of companies uh, really these systems be trained on private, uh, proprietary data, data uh, for their processes, whether that's for creating documents or for, for designing new products, for example, or for developing code, for writing code. Uh, so I think that we're going to see those kinds of things come out. I think the companies are trying to do that. And so we're going to see improvements. So we're going to see success, but uh, it's going to take a long time. And the one area where I really am optimistic is in the uh, the movie making industry and in film and uh, TV shows and things. Uh, so they're okay. they're using generative AI to 
to to create uh, sequels to movies, to create episodes to shows. Um, but this is a very specific use case because I have known, you know, most if for anyone who's looked closely at computer generated uh, videos knows that this is a very, very old process. This is something that's been, that companies have been working on for years. And you can find these different videos on LinkedIn where they'll show an animated cartoon and they'll compare it to an animated cartoon from 30 or 40 years ago. And lo and behold, they're very similar. All of the, uh, the, the, the character's face and the character's clothes are different, but the actual movements of the character in the video, in the videos, in the old video, are the same because companies have been doing this for years. And so you look at uh, episodes of TV shows, a lot of them are very similar. They're, they're a very similar story, right? They've got same characters. They use a lot of the, the video over and over again. You just don't notice it because they're good at editing the old video to make the new episode. Generative AI is, is just a next, the next step. It's not gonna revolutionize the way they do things. It's the next step. They've already been doing this. See, that's what a lot of people don't realize. They don't realize that it's the it's, a lot of these things are the next step. We've already been doing this. Uh, and so code has been written. People have been reusing code for years. It's just that generative AI improves that process of, re, of reusing code. And that's the question. Is it improving the process, right? It has to improve the process. It's not something that's revolutionary, that's new. It's something that is going to improve the process, but we want to see, I want to see evidence that it's actually improving it. I think that evidence will emerge, but it hasn't emerged yet. I, I agree, that, that's a great point. Um, I think that brings us to the conclusion, but I, I really do appreciate your insights and, and the, um, the wisdom behind not just jumping at the new, uh, the next, best thing that um, may appear to but um, may appear to promise something but to really go into take a look at what is involved what is progress what is process improvement uh, and and take a look at uh, a deeper analysis and dive into that depending on the context so um, thank you very much I do appreciate your insight and having this conversation with you okay well thank you